All right, welcome to the Red Triangle Sports Podcast. Uh, took last week off. I feel like we all need to sometimes recoup, um, get our brains back in check. It's a long marathon, um, but back with me, Shane Stein. Hey, it's good to be here, Matt. What's up? Uh, not too much. Kyle, how you doing? I'm doing well. Happy to be here. All right, we're talking baseball, obviously, tonight. Um... Two of the three of us still think Bryce Harper is the best player in baseball. The other person thinks that he should be on our struggling stars list that we're going to talk about tonight. Um, so we're going to talk struggling stars and potential surging stars, guys that are on fire right now. Got two rookie comps for you, uh, but let's start off with some trivia. Kyle and Shane, who are the four catchers? Inside the top 200 on the player radar on CBS. Uh, Jonathan Lucroy. He's second. He's 160, 162. Uh, 277 average. 343 OBP. 453 slug. Six homers. Um, 24 runs scored, I think, to lead all catchers. So that's where he's making his pay dirt. But... Um, pretty underwhelming numbers for the number two catcher on the list. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to go with... Yasmani Grandal. <laughs> Yasmani Grandal is... <laughs> 539th on the player <laughs> radar. He's hitting a buck 92 with a 274 OBP, four homers. Um, yeah, he's not inside the top 200. I get it. I get it. Bad guess. <laughs> um, Wilson Ramos. Wilson Ramos is fourth. 181 on the player radar. Um, He's hitting 333 with a 519 slug. Um, not striking out a lot either. He's made some major adjustments at the plate this year. And he looks good. Good guess. Catcher is not my forte, I won't lie. Because um, there's not any good ones. That was the whole point of this. <laughs> I don't know. Sally Perez? He's first. 140th on the player radar. Seven homers, 25 RBIs. Um, 509 slug despite his Stone Cold Steve Austin OBP of 316. Um, but high batting average, 283. He just strikes out so much and doesn't walk at all. But uh, he's been the best catcher in the, in the league so far. I'm sure that'll change as Ned Yost runs him out there. Seven days a week, all through the rest of the summer. So, <laughs> um, the other guy I would guess, and I don't think that it's right, is Brian McCann. Considering <clears throat> he's usually pretty good. He's close. He is seventh among catchers at two forty-seven, two thirty-seven. Sorry. It's a great question because I spend zero time looking at catchers throughout the week. Uh, <laughs> I don't really ever think of them as streaming that much. Um, Ooh, guessing you asked the step. question because Buster Posey's not on the list. Posey's fifth. He's at 207. So, yeah, you're right about that. I got one more guess. I'll take the guy that's been hotter than fire since coming back uh, from being injured, Matt Leaders. No. He is 291 on the player radar, uh, three spots behind McCann. The last catcher, third... Amongst catchers, uh, Wellington Castillo, seven homers, 20 RBI. Um, he's hitting 275. So really underwhelming numbers behind the plate. The reason why I want to talk about this, I have Grandall in a bunch of leagues. Um, but I'm not even looking to drop him and pick up anybody else because he's been just as good as most of the other catchers um, in baseball. It's been a really awful position. 
it's kind of what we talked about in the beginning of the year when we went through our catcher rankings. Uh, <clears throat> there's just not much value in going out and reaching for catchers. Um, Posey was the clear-cut favorite. Um, I think he still ends up there by the end of the year. But really not much value in going out and paying up for, for any of the catchers when most of the production you're going to get is going to be similar to just the next guy in line. So. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a dreadful position. Kyle, who do you have that behind the plate in most of your leagues? Um, I have a revolving door <laughs> of catchers. Um, one league I have Lucroy, which I'm I guess happy about. Someone dropped him, and so I just scooped him up pretty quick. And then um, in our 16 team league, which we talk about often, uh, it's been a revolving door of Weeders, uh, Jan Gomes, and now Blake Swihart. You looking to get a stable catcher? Or are you kind of comfortable with that rotating, rotating window? I will continue to rotate them um, until there's a clear cut catcher that's worth buying. All right. Not to not to touch too much, but there can't be a big list there of uh, guys that you'd be willing to settle down with. Um, does the list start and end with Buster, Buster Posey? He starts playing a little better. He'd be a guy at Target. Gotta love him in Yankee Stadium. The catching position kind of reminds me of, like, dating in college. (laughs) Like, you're just going to try a bunch of these guys out until you find one worth sticking with, and you're going to find out that most of them probably aren't worth sticking (laughs) with. So, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it might be be a bad bad comparison. But (laughs) All right, second question. Who's the top-rated first baseman in fantasy baseball on CBS? Top-rated first baseman. The silence is good. Anthony Rizzo? Rizzo's fourth. His two thirty four yeah. batting averages weighing him down. Yeah, it was him for a while. It um, was. Um, Miguel Cabrera. It is Miggy. I thought it would be a tough guess because he's really turned it on as of late. Um, three twenty two batting average, three ninety three OBP, five seventy five slugging. 11 homers now for Miggy. I just knew he had a big week last week. couple, like <clears> three <throat> or four homers. Right, got him up there. Just ahead of Mark Trumbo. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that uh, Shane knew that, considering he's targeting him in our 16-team league, which we just established <laughs> a few minutes ago. I'm not just... targeting Miggy. Uh, Miggy will not end up on uh, my roster. <coughs> um, not buying. For at least two weeks. <laughs> The other reason why I wanted to bring this question up is because, Kyle, you had a bold prediction about Miguel Cabrera coming into this season. Do you remember what it was? Um, that he wouldn't be top five? Yeah, I think that's what your bold prediction was. Yeah, it's not too late. No, it's definitely not. Um, you expect Goldie to turn it on at some point. Chris Davis hasn't gotten real hot yet either. Um, Votto's been terrible. Yes. Same with uh, Edwin. Edwin hasn't been great either. So I don't expect Trumbo, Shaw, and Chris Carter to stay in the top five, though. But we'll see. All right. um, Let's move on to the struggling stars. Guys that have just not been performing for what you paid for them on draft day. I got five pitchers at the top of this list. Let's start off with Dallas Keuchel. What do you guys think about Dallas Keuchel? Are we? Is there a real reason to be worried here or not? I think there is. Um, we spoke about it, I think it was a few weeks ago. Um, something's not right. I'm, I'm just not sure that he's as good as we thought he was. Um, I feel like last year was a lot of smoke and mirrors. You watch this guy pitch. I, I've watched him pitch a lot, and... His stuff isn't very overwhelming um, for me. 
He, he's a guy that relies on just great location, um, really good command, and that just seems to be a little off this year. And with, when you're a lefty with not overpowering stuff and you're relying on that just command and spotting up, it, you're just going to get hit around a little bit when it's off. So I'm a little worried with Keuchel. Um, I think he figures it out to an extent. I still think he's pretty good, but I, I'm, I'm hard-pressed to say that, that – He's going to get anywhere back to the form we saw last year when he won the Cy Young. Yeah, I think I'm with Shane here. Um, I don't actually recall my stance on it before, but um, you know, he really he doesn't throw really hard. Like Shane said, his stuff isn't super impressive, um, and he's really getting tagged up for a lot of hits right now. It seems like um, you know that issue is something obviously to be concerned about. He's not a guy I'm going out trying to buy low on um, for, for a lot of the reasons that Shane mentioned. Well, let's look at it. Last year, <clears throat> he walked under two guys per nine. This year, he's at 3.75, uh, so nearly doubles, doubles his walks this year. I think that's what's killing him. And then just those extra base runners, obviously the, the hits per nine are way up as well. He gave up about <clears throat> seven per nine last year. He's at 10.5 this year, so... He's given up an extra like five base runners every outing, every game. Um, it's just gonna lead to the numbers that he's putting up. Obviously, the, the ERA is ballooned; it's near six, and he's just not the same pitcher we saw last year. Um, my, I guess I expect him to turn it around a little bit, but I'm not going out and trying to pick him up at any point here. Um, <clears throat> my worries about Keuchel are. 232 innings in the regular season last year, and he did throw a couple games in the playoffs, I think. So, big inning total for him last year, coming off a 200-inning performance in 2014, where he was pretty good, um, but he definitely took a big jump up in 2015 in his Cy Young season, as Shane mentioned. Kind of always reminds me of a nibbler a little bit. Um, If guys aren't swinging at those pitches just off the plate, because the stuff isn't overwhelming, the walks obviously are then going to go up, like Shane mentioned. Uh, the other thing that I'm wondering about with Keiko is maybe if he's kind of burdening himself a little bit, trying to be the shutdown guy for what is a pretty weak Houston rotation. This team has definitely shown some holes this year, and uh, some unexpected holes, at least in my mind, and I feel like he's bearing the brunt of that. You made a good point. He kind of feels like he's he's a Tom Glavin in a world where you don't get three, four inches off the plate anymore. Um, Tom Glavin kind of made a career out of that, extending the strike zone a couple inches off the plate, making guys chase, and you just don't get that in, in today's baseball where umpires aren't willing to expand the strike zone that far anymore. They, they're under intense scrutiny um, as far as balls and strikes already, and you're not going to be able to get those pitches off the outside corner. And it seems like he relies on that, and people are realizing they don't need to chase those pitches out of the zone anymore, and it's kind of kind of hurting Keiko this year. All right, let's move on to, I'll pair these two guys together because they're both Cardinals pitchers. Carlos Martinez and Michael Waka. Martinez has been bad of late. Waka has been, last three starts have been absolutely miserable. You guys worried about these two at all? I am a little worried. Um, I'm, a, I'm more disappointed in Martinez. I thought he was going to be great. Um, his stuff is just too good to be struggling struggling this much, so I'm really not sure what's going on with him. Um, Waka, I, I kind of saw a little bit of a decline for Waka. I, I'm not a huge fantasy fan of, of Waka. I think he's a good pitcher. Um, I think I'd like to have him in my rotation if I'm trying to win baseball games. I think he's, he's a solid guy to have, but... I, I, as far as fantasy goes, I'm I'm not really in on the Michael Walker train. Yeah, Martinez for me though is, is just puzzling uh, with the stuff that he possesses and just the plus pitches that he can throw out there. Uh, I'm, it's really surprising to see him struggle this much this early. Yeah, um, it's actually interesting. I own or owned both of these guys in our 16 team league. Um, I'll start with Walker. He's a guy that. Um, you know, I feel like the house is burning down and it's time to sell. Um, I'm not, I've watched a couple of his starts this year and he just hasn't been super impressive. Um, 
which I guess shouldn't come too much to a surprise. His, his really only great run was during that playoff run. So I think it's just a name that gets him hyped up, and I, I bought into that a little bit this year. Um, so I'm not super surprised he's not pitching um, necessarily as advertised. Um, so I would, I would tamper the expectations here with him. Um, Carlos Martinez, on the other hand, I'm, I guess, a little, like Shane said, disappointed. Um, he, he has such great stuff. It's confusing. Um, you know, I just read an article where someone said, is he Jordano Ventura? And I cringed. <laughs> and I hope that's not true. Um, I really do. Um, I just, I, I'm hoping he figures it out, I guess. I guess I would hold on him if I have him. I think you have to hold on Martinez <clears throat> just because the stuff is ridiculous. I mean, he was hitting 101, I think, five times, two starts ago as a starter. And I think that velocity will be fine. The one thing that I think is plaguing both these guys is the Cardinals' defense is atrocious. Um, Carpenter's been an absolute butcher at third base. Diaz has shown that he struggles at short. Wong's good for a, a boneheaded play here and there. And then <clears throat> we all know about Matt Holliday in left field. He's not fantastic by any means. The guy that I think that these guys are really missing this year is Johnny Peralta. He'll be back soon. Um... So maybe it's a buy-low opportunity on Waka. The one thing that scares me about Waka is that his real only plus pitch, in my opinion, is his changeup. Fastball is not overpowering by any means, and the knock on him coming out of college was that he didn't have a breaking ball. So I don't think that that's a great pitch either for him. I haven't done a deep dive on any of those pitches, but that's just my takeaway from watching him as a Cardinals fan. So kind of feel like he's going through the same struggles that um, Adam Wainwright's going through the fact that he's just kind of easy to be hit. And when you have a bad defense, maybe he gets babbit to death a little bit there in that sense. It's a great point I was actually just going to touch on. You don't see a lot of right-handed pitchers especially that are able to dominate when they're really just fastball change-up pitchers. Yeah. Um, I mean, you see some lefties do it. I mean, Cole Hamels comes to mind, obviously. But as a right-hander, you need to have some sort of breaking pitch some sort of splitter, something else. Um, you can't really be too fastball changeup dependent and be a really, really successful starter in the league. So he needs to develop something uh, something with some spin. Martinez has also been battling some other things, flu symptoms. He's got a, a court case in the Dominican that I think he's trying to resolve here. Uh, a lot of stuff going on for him. He's been a couple weeks ago. I know he flew down to the Dominican to deal with some personal issues. So... Hopefully, these guys can right the ship here in the next couple of weeks. Um, otherwise, it's going to be just a really long season for the Cardinals because these are two guys that they were expecting to log a bunch of uh, quality innings for them. Next guy I want to talk about, Chris Archer. Thought we were past this, and then the last, I think, two starts for Archer have not been good again. Um, reason to be worried with Chris Archer. <clears throat> this guy just needs to figure out how to pitch, man. Um, seems like he's the Jose Fernandez of the American League. Um, both guys just incredible electric stuff, and they haven't quite figured out how to be a pitcher yet. Um, obviously, Archer's a little bit older than Fernandez, so you would hope that he would figure it out by now. Um, but it just doesn't seem to be the case. Um Gives up too many base runners for me, too many walks, uh, a little too wild for me. Doesn't throw enough strikes. Uh, seems like these guys, they want to strike everyone out, but they just don't pound the strikes on enough. Archer just needs to, I think he needs to get back to throwing more strikes, pounding the zone, and, and he'll be more successful. Um, I'm not willing to buy in yet, though. I'm still, we have him in a, in a couple of our leagues, mm -hmm. and he's been really disappointing us for, for the first uh, couple months of the season. And he's a guy that we can't really let go. Um, it's not like he can just his, his trade value is kind of kind of gone down right now. You have to hold on, wait and see, and just really confusing for Archer. Yeah, I think you nailed it when you made the comp to uh, Jose Fernandez. Um, I think there is that sense of 
um, him against the world, just trying to take care of everything on his own, and you know maybe not trusting his defense enough. Um, maybe needs to take a little bit off and try and, and let the defense handle the ball, let the let them hit the ball a little bit more. Um, also, you know I think he's a guy that I would target in a buy low. Um, situation if I can. I think his stuff is too good to not try and go and get it. You can get it cheap. Yeah, I agree with you in that sense. You have to go out and get Archer. He's a guy I just really like. Um, he's a smart guy. He's been on a couple broadcasts. And he just seems like a good dude. So I hope he turns it around um, just in that sense. The strikeouts have been fine. 65 strikeouts in 52 and a third innings. But the 1.6 whip is just absolutely atrocious. There's only been uh, four games this year where he walked two or less batters. So, like Shane said, ton of ton of base runners. He's also given up a lot of home runs this year. Hoping he can turn it around. I would be willing to buy low there. Um, but there are some valid concerns. He, has, he did turn it around for about a three or four start stretch. And then this past start on Sunday, it was just a nightmare. Three innings, six earned um, against the Tigers. So, yeah, I, I like Archer still. He was one of the guys, along with Carlos Carrasco and Garrett Cole, that I was targeting as kind of the ace of my pitching staffs in a lot of leagues, uh, redraft leagues, because of the fact that they weren't as expensive as the top pitchers, but I felt like they were guys who were just ready to break out. So, um, like you said, Shane, I feel like if you bought into Archer, you can't really sell at, at this point. Another guy that I think a lot of people are stuck with is Matt Harvey. Um, the Mets apparently are kicking the tires around to send him down to the minors. That would just be, I think, a total dive bomb from the guy that I thought was the best pitcher in the Mets rotation coming into this season. And, boy, have I been wrong. Where do you guys stand on Harvey? Just incredible, isn't it? Uh, the turnaround. Um, <clears throat> last year, he's the, the hottest sensation. The dark night. Um, everyone's buying in New York. And now we're sitting here at the end of May, and he's got an ERA that's over 6 and a whip that's at 1.7. Um, just south of 1.7. I don't really know what's going on. I mean, you, you really thought that I'm sure a lot of a lot of guys targeted this guy as the ace of their staff this year, um, and anyone that bought into that is is surely struggling. I would imagine um, something's not right with Harvey. I feel like he might be a little hurt, and I think that we're going to see a DL trip coming here soon uh, within the next couple weeks. Whether, yeah, it's a, whether it's a DL trip where he's actually hurt or just one that he needs to go on a DL for a couple of weeks, maybe get things straight. Yeah, I was going to say, I think with Harvey, he just, he just doesn't look right. Um, and I don't know. I, I'm very concerned about him. Um, I, I have no interest in getting on the Matt Harvey train, uh, buying low by any means. Um I just, he might be done. Is he done? He's not done. And <laughs> I think if he hits the DL here, that's when I want to buy. Because, <clears throat> like you said, Shane, I think a DL trip is probably coming. But I don't think it's going to be because he's hurt. I think it's just going to be to give him a break and let him try and figure this thing out. He's He has to still be a guy that's worth owning. Um, in my opinion, you don't have the pedigree of Matt Harvey by mistake. So, um, I think he's going to end up being just fine. I think he just, you got to find a guy who's willing to give him to you at that basement value right now. Here's, here's my concern with Harvey. I mean, it seemed like he burst onto the scene so quick. I mean, we kind of anointed him as the next best thing and... We really haven't seen that much from him. Um, sure, he had a, a pretty outstanding season last year. Um, 
But he still hasn't ever thrown 200 innings. Um, 189 last year was his career high. Um, and before that, it was 178 in 2013. Those are the only two years that we've seen really a full workload from him. Um, maybe he's just not the horse that we thought he was. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, we see it, see it with guys all the time. I mean, they, they put up a big season, maybe one or two, and, and all of a sudden they're done just before before you even know what happened. And I really hope that's not the case. Um, kind of enjoy Matt Harvey. I, I think he's, he's a good guy. And it's fun to watch, obviously, but yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I think I think we're on to something. I think he goes to the DL soon, and I think he figures it out. I'm willing to buy into him for for the rest of this season. All right, next guy I want to talk about: Stephen Vogt. Uh, Two fifty-two batting average, four homers for the A's catcher. I know Shane, you are a Stephen Vogt fan. At least last year you were. Uh, Two sixty-one batting average with eighteen homers. Reason to be concerned with vote or uh, not yet, and then he'll get hot here in a little bit. <clears throat> I'm not really concerned with him. I owned him pretty much all season last year, and it's just kind of the player that he is. He is very streaky. Um, obviously, he hits right-handed pitching very well. Um, one of the guy, one of the guys in the majors that just just rakes against righties, and not so much against left-handed pitching. Doesn't even really draw starts all the time when they face especially good lefties but extremely streaky player um he can get on a couple week run where he can just carry you and then he's going to go on a couple week run where he, he just doesn't hit at all um so i'm not really worried it's just just the kind of player that he is uh, you got to ride the the high times and you got to just ride the low times as well and you have to work your way through it yeah, I mean, just taking a look at his game log here, uh, everything you're saying, Shane, is adding up. Um, he gets on streaks, he gets cold, he gets hot. Um, so, yeah, you're, you're pretty much going to get that when you own him. Um, and I haven't followed him overly close uh, in the past you know, two years or so, so um, don't have a lot to add to this conversation other than it looks like he really just is streaky. Well, we talked about the catcher position to lead off the show, and I feel like if you have vote, you're probably fine with what he's been doing, uh, assuming you didn't invest too much in the catcher position, which we all would advise you against doing. But I have a hard time hitching my wagon to uh, 31-year-old catchers. And I know he hasn't done a ton of catching. You know, he mixed in at first base, and um, I think last year might have been his first real full-time season of being a catcher, but... You know, 31 years old behind the plate just scares me. It hasn't really hurt Brian McCann yet, who I think is around a similar age as Vote. Um, but he plays in a much better ballpark than Vote does. And, you know, like you said, if you can stream him against righties, I think he's worth, you know, putting in those spots. He's a guy I do have in my DFS lineups a lot because he's cheap right now because he's been struggling um, and for the, in the right matchup. He can, you know, hit a homer, drive in a couple runs, and give you a nice night on DraftKings or FanDuel. But as far as, you know, having this guy for a full season, not someone that I was really overly excited about coming into this year. Yeah, he's definitely a guy, if you got you have him and he gets on one of his hot streaks, you got to try to sell him right away. Um, the cold streaks are definitely going to be really tough to bear. I fell into that trap with him last year where he was so good for the first couple months of the season it was so hard to let him go and I think you were the one that was telling me that I, I needed to get rid of him and you just couldn't pull the trigger and down the last couple months of the season he really really was part of my downfall I ended up having to drop him all right next guy I want to talk about 32 year old first baseman DH whatever you want to call him um, whatever it is you want to call him he just hasn't been good this year Prince Fielder Hitting 193 with only two homers in 46 games. This is a guy that you think about him just being a staple of the home run derby every year. A guy that's got to be in that because he's going to be in the top 10 in the American League in home runs. And this year's just been an absolute train wreck for him. Last year he hit 305 with 23 homers. Kind of always been a guy that despite his size 
always hits for a high average because he hits the ball so hard. Um, but he's been just downright miserable to start the year. I know I've been trying to sell him to just about anybody. Um, turned it around a little bit the past couple days, but I really need this guy to start hitting for some power. And I'm getting concerned that we're talking about maybe like a 10 to 15 home run season from Pinchfield here, which would just be atrocious. Yeah, I'm going to turn to one of the stats that Kyle likes to throw out a lot and one that I know he looks at. And for most of his career, he's been right around a one-to-one walk-to-strikeout guy. Maybe strikes out a little bit more than he walks. And so far this year, it's been two-to-one. Um, so clearly clearly he's not seeing the ball right, um, not the same level that he, we're accustomed to seeing. Um, way too many strikeouts compared to how many walks he's drawn for me. With that being said, I might surprise you here, but I'm not overly concerned on Fielder. Uh, I think he figures it out. I think he's a very, very good buy-low option because I think you can get him at a bottom-of-the-barrel price right now. Um, I know you're trying to sell him to just about anyone in the league who will take him in our league. And I don't know that he fits my, what I'm trying to do with my team or I think I'd be in on, on the, the asking price that you're going to sell at. Um, for Fielder... Um, I'm out on Fielder. I think he's bad. Um, I have no interest in buying low on him, rostering him at any point. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. I'm concerned. He is just making some atrocious decisions at the plate. Watched a couple of his games, and he's swinging at anything and everything. And I feel like he used to be a bad ball hitter, and now he's not. So, hoping things will normalize here. Um, If he does get hot here, I'm going to try and sell him then the first chance I get, since no one seems to be buying in right now. The thing that really seems to be bothering me about Fielder is that I just can't play him anywhere. He's just killing my utility spot. I think I would be more likely to swallow it if... um, I could move him at first or play him at the corner spot, but he's just killing the flexibility of my roster between you know paying thirty one dollars for him and then the fact that I have to play him my utility and I can't mix him in. So I've actually been for the last couple of weeks not starting him if I have a better option. He's facing a lefty because he really seems to just not be hitting lefties at all this year, but. Hoping he can turn it around. Yeah, he's still on pace to drive in 82 runs, despite the fact he's hitting 193. So Here's a question for you. Um, obviously, I don't know if it pertains to our league, <clears throat> but here's a guy that you spent $31 on. People in most leagues probably drafted him, what, the fifth, sixth round, somewhere in that area? Maybe? Um, probably a little later, because I think Sano was going in fifth, sixth, and he was the top. Utility guy, him and Ortiz were going five, six. So right, I'd say so eight, maybe seven, eight or nine, yeah. seven, eight, somewhere around that, somewhere in that range. How much longer of this do you wait to just say, you know what, I have to cut my ties and I have to let him go? I, I know in our league, you drop a guy like Prince Fielder, he's getting picked up the next day on yeah. waivers. Um, but if you're in a twelve-team league, he's a droppable player right now. I feel like. Yeah, in a twelve-team league where, yeah. Um, just because of the fact that there's guys out there and, like I said, the position flexibility just kills you with him. So, yeah, 12-team league, I think you could probably drop him and find something. Like, I, I tried to move him for Justin Bohr in our league. I'd rather have Bohr right now, and I feel like Bohr is available in those 12-team leagues and this guy, um, I'd rather have Bohr right now. Yeah, I would just say I, I really feel like Fielder's just droppable. Um, and even in our league, I would say he is. Because um, with our league, if someone claims them, they're going to have to pay him $31. And I don't know anyone that wants to pay him $31 right now. Well, I'm, I'm competing with Fielder, Dozier, and Abreu all really playing about as poorly as the three of them can play. So I'm hoping to just kind of hold. And at some point, those three will come back to normal, and hopefully my team will take off from there. So that's kind of where I'm at with those three guys. The other guy, similar to Prince Fielder, um, Kendris Morales, had a huge season last year for the Royals. 
another guy that kills you with his um, roster flexibility. But Morales has been actually worse than Fielder. He's hitting a buck eighty-seven, five homers instead of two, um, but thirty-eight strikeouts to eleven walks. This guy's been bad. I wasn't a believer in him um, at all, even coming into last year. But the numbers that he put up last year made me kind of reconsider that. And right now, I'm really fortunate that I don't have any Kendrick Morales. So, I'm completely out on him. I don't know where you guys are. Yeah, I wasn't a believer in Morales either. Uh, I wasn't a believer last year, and I wasn't a believer this year. Um, it's not a guy, not a guy that I really target, and... Last year it paid off for people that invested, probably got them cheap. And this year you're kind of probably overpaid a little bit more than you did last year, and he's burning you. Uh, I'm out on Morales. Um, I don't think he's going to figure it out. Um, I think that we've seen the end of the line. Yeah, I personally never like owning a guy that can only play at utility. Um, I mean, you've expressed the frustrations of having to own a player like that and I think I just steered clear of that in general um, and I'm not buying him at this point and I would say I, the same would go for Fielder it would have to take a really nice hot streak for me to want to get in on one of these guys um, and at that point I don't think get him for the price that I think is fair the one thing I'll say about Morales I have a hard time with guys who go through that whole free agency period where no team signs them in today's offensive-stricken game of baseball. Um, that says a lot to me when nobody in baseball wants them, um, especially a guy that kind of has the track record that Morales has had. So that's why I wasn't on Ian Desmond this year and kind of been wrong about that. Desmond's been pretty good, but... I think more often than not, I'll take my chances when a position player can't find a job in the offseason. All right, Shane. We're done in the struggling stars that I talked about. Make your case for why Bryce Harper should have been on this list. All right. Obviously, I like to give you guys a hard time. You guys are both bought into the Bryce Harper train. Um, Kyle bought him from me last year. Um, I just think that maybe we're jumping the gun a little bit too soon. I think Bryce Harper's a great talent. Um, I think I don't think you guys think I'm naive to, to realize that Bryce Harper's not a, a really great baseball player. Obviously, he's one of the top players in the league, but this is a guy that was pretty much a consensus number one or number two pick um, across all formats, across all drafts, and he's mired in a huge slump right now. Um, he was hitting over 300 after the first few weeks of the season. Going into the night, I believe he was at 246. Um, hadn't hit a home run in about two weeks. I mean, it's it's not... He's only, what, 22 years old? Mm -hmm. um, he's still a young guy. Um, still has some growing pains. Sometimes you still got still to gotta figure things out. And um, obviously, teams have made adjustments. Um, they're kind of giving him the Barry Bond stream. And obviously, the walks are there. Um, walking at an incredible rate. I think he's on pace for something ridiculous like 160 or something like that. But he needs to figure out... A, Barry Bonds came out and said it a couple weeks ago. He needs to figure out a way to steal more bags, make it hurt when the other team walks him. And I don't know that he's figured that out yet. And I expect him to get back on track. Um, he's not going to end the year at 246. Don't get me wrong. Um, he homered again tonight. But I'm a little worried that maybe we made him out to be the he's going to hit 330 he's going to hit 50 bombs I don't think that's going to happen so I'm a... well I'll tell you the reason why I didn't put him on this list I think the other guys on this list we have valid reasons to be concerned about whether or not they can turn it around I don't think that there's any reason to be concerned about whether or not Bryce Harper can turn it around I think he's just struggling through that whole, like you said, Barry Bonds treatment where I think that Cubs series really did some damage for him when they just wouldn't pitch to him because I don't think he was ready for that to happen to him at such a young age. He's been on the Make Baseball Fun Again campaign 
where I think he really thought he was going to come out, like you said, hit 330 and hit 50 bombs. And I think that weekend he was kind of like, oh, maybe this isn't going to happen. Maybe maybe teams are just going to just pitch around me and I'm not going to have the chance to have that season. And with him being so young, maybe that's taking a hit on him. But I think he'll turn it around. And I'm not going to be totally disappointed if I'm a Harper owner and he hits 275, 280 with 30 homers and 15, 20 steals. So. But I think if you're drafting a number one overall, you're probably going to be disappointed with that, aren't you not? I don't think so, because who else in baseball is going to give you 30 homers and potentially 20 steals? There's not a lot of those players out there. No, I mean... Even Trout's not that guy anymore. With a 450 OVP. Yeah. Clearly, I... Obviously, I understand Bryce Harper is great at baseball. I get it. I'm just saying, I mean, I, I think you said something there with the Cubs series. I mean, they're saying, hey, we're just not going to pitch you. We're going to make someone else beat us. And I think maybe in his head he said, man, I have some standards that I want to live up to. I'm going to go out and make it happen myself. And I think he's reaching a little bit, maybe extending his strike zone. Kyle talked about how he does a great job at finding his pitch. And when he gets it, he does damage. And maybe he's extended his zone a little bit now to the point where he's going to chase a few balls that he normally wouldn't. And I think it's kind of hurting, obviously, in the batting average. Uh, we see him decline about 60 points in the last month. It's baseball, dude. People come in and out of slumps. I'm not worried. Come back in a month when he's batting 280, 20 homers. All right, we'll have to wait and see. All right, write that down. That on May or June 28th, Bryce Harper will be hitting 280 with 20 homers. <laughs> All right. Um, going into the surging soon-to-be stars, potentially. I'm going to try and group some of these guys together to keep this going here. Which one of these three outfielders do you guys like better rest of season? And give me just a brief synopsis on all three of them. Jackie Bradley Jr., Marcelo Zuna, Trace Thompson. All three have been red hot lately. Um, and I think there's reasons to like all three of them for different reasons. And I'm interested to see where you guys stand. Wow. Um, hard to go away from Jackie Bradley right now. Um, obviously, the guy's on fire. 29-game uh, hit streak. Uh, did he get one tonight? Did he get Got the snapped tonight. Got snapped tonight, so it ends at 29. Um, hard to not buy into what he's doing, spraying the ball all over the field, um, just on a, on a huge tear. When you pose the question of who do I like going forward, is that, is that the question? Yep. Rest of the year? I kind of don't like when guys go on those huge hit streaks and they get so encompassed in that that maybe they have a, a little stretch afterwards where, where they're not nearly as good. Maybe it's just you get disappointed because they were so good for so long. Um, but I still think out of this group, I think I take Bradley slightly over Ozuna. But I think I, I might even be willing to change to Ozuna. Yeah, um, to answer the question, uh, I'm going Ozuna. He's the one that I think uh, I trust the most of these guys. Um I don't have a ton of reason to back that up, um, but if you're making me pick between the three, I'm going Ozuna. Uh, it's definitely down to Ozuna and Bradley for me. I like Jackie Bradley. liked him a lot coming out of college. Um, had to get rid of him in our league before it panned out for him, unfortunately, but I think it's a really good time to be an offensive player in the Red Sox lineup, uh, they just do a ton of damage. And I think that him hitting seventh in that lineup gives him a lot of RBI opportunities that most seven hitters don't get. And he's really taking advantage of, especially hitting in Fenway right now. So definitely like that piece of Bradley's game. I think right now I would probably take Ozuna over Bradley. He just seems to be the type of player that we've been waiting to break out for like two years. And just when everybody kind of jumped off the Ozuna train, it's time to get back on. He's been red hot as of late, and he's a guy that 
I would definitely be looking to buy because I think that what he's doing is sustainable. With all that being said, I wouldn't be surprised if Trace Thompson is right with these guys at the end of the season. He just keeps hitting um, right around a 300 average, right around a 400 OBP, and I think right around almost a 500 slug. So um, just a guy with obviously athletic pedigree in his family that just seems to know how to hit, and the Dodgers are giving him every opportunity to do so right now. The one thing that may take some time away from him is when Andre Ethier comes back, but that remains to be seen, I guess. <clears throat> do you guys like Thompson? Neither of you said too much about him. I mean, the guy's obviously been on fire to start the year. Um, not a highly touted guy. Um, he, he was on some, some top... I think he was on some, some top, top 100 lists, yeah. but one of the... I don't want to say underrated, but not a guy that was hugely talked about, especially I think he was overshadowed by some of the prospects coming up in the Dodger system. Um, but clearly the guy can hit. Um, I think you, you hit it on the head there. When when Ethier comes back, what do they do with him? Um, does that chip into his playing time? Obviously I think it will. Um, but, yeah, exciting to see what, what he's been doing so far, um, see if he can keep it going. Yeah, I think for him he'll be – He'll be one of those guys that's going to be a consistently good player. Um, I don't see anything in his game that screams more than that, I guess. So um, he's just kind of whatever to me. He's a fourth outfielder, I guess, in my opinion. All right, another guy that's been red hot as of late, uh, Chris Davis with a K from Oakland. Um is there a legitimate 30 home run potential, I guess almost 40 home run potential, with Chris Davis? What do you guys think about him? Man, I find it hard to buy into Chris Davis. <clears throat> um, I don't know why. I just think there's going to be some streaks where he doesn't play particularly well. Um, just like we talked about with Vote, I feel he's the guy that goes on really extreme highs and lows. And... I think that's what shies me away from from wanting to invest in a guy like that. Um, a lot of hype surrounding him last year. He was going off the board a lot higher than I think people expected. And I guess the hype's still there, and he's been playing pretty well. Knocked 13 home runs already this year. Um, batting average still pretty low, which is concerning. But obviously the power potential's there. He's on pace for 44 right now. Um, no reason to believe he can't get to at least 30. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Chris Davis is he just hits the ball so far. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I was trying to get him up quick. But um, if I remember correctly, last year he was towards the top of the list of average home run distance. Um, so going to Oakland, I guess I wasn't overly concerned with uh, his power. Uh, I think it'll drop off a little bit, but um, I think there's legitimate 30 home run power here. Um, I think it's sustainable. Let's put it this way. He had 27 home runs last year and only 392 at-bats. So, leads me to believe if this guy gets 500 ABs, he's got to be a 30 home run guy, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, What I could see happening with him is I could see him in the home run derby in July, and not only could I see him being the guy that puts up the zero, <laughs> but I could see him not coming back from that. I don't know. Like you said, he's really streaky on pace for 44 homers, but if he were to actually hit 44, I think that would be the story of the fantasy season. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. I don't know where I stand on him. He's a guy I've been kind of running through my head. Is it worth him making an offer on him in leagues where you need power? Um, He's almost a guy that I feel like I wouldn't be totally shocked if he hit 40, and I wouldn't be totally shocked if he ended with, like, 22. Yeah, which is what he hit in 2014. <laughs> 22 homers in 501 at-bats. So, yeah, good call there on that uh, projection. Which middle infielder would you rather have rest of the season, Jonathan VR or Jonathan Scope? Both different ball games. VR obviously gives you the stolen bases. Scope gives you a little more pop. 
Um, who you guys like? Well, VR was a guy that we were both, I don't want to say high on at the start of the year, but I think we both <clears throat> were excited about. Um, we both kind of wanted to own him on our teams. Um, we thought it was going to be a good source of some speed that we were going to be able to get relatively for good value. Um, but I think the answer here is scope. Uh, the power seems seems real for this guy, and you can get him at that middle infield position. Uh, real, really good value for this guy. So I think it's scope over VR. I think uh, Orlando Arcia coming up later in the year, maybe that bites into VR's. I don't I don't want to say that it's going to kill his playing time, but maybe maybe it hurts a little bit. So I'm going to go with scope. Yeah, I'm going scope as well. Uh, anytime you can get, you know, a solid 15 homers from a second baseman, you got to be happy about that. And, um, you know, you, you already mentioned it, Cause, when you said power's kind of at a premium. If you can get homers, then you're in a good spot. So if you can steal a couple homers at the second base position, um, you have to do that. Well, the only thing that's more of a premium than power in today's game is stolen bases. Um, VR strikes out a ton, but he's also walking quite a bit. 25 walks in 44 games so far this year. Hitting 290. i I'm sure that number will come down because it seems to be he's just got a high BABIP right now. Um, but 15 stolen bases. And the thing that I think we kind of forget about VR is we probably feel like he's been in the league a long time. He's only 25 years old. And I think the way he's playing right now, even when Arcia comes up, there's some opportunity for him to move to third base on the Brewers team because um, they don't really have a lockdown third baseman right now. It's been Aaron Hill most of the season. Um, but I think they want to see what they have with VR since, like I said, he's only 25. And he did play some third for the Astros the past couple of years. Um and if they don't want to see what they have with him, he's a prime target to be moved to a team that maybe needs a shortstop. So, I like VR. Uh, the thing about Scope is the same thing that scares me about Chris Davis. ton of strikeouts from him, and he walks almost never. Um, so, that it's just concerning. You know, the, the potential to have 20 home runs from the middle is fine. I get that. Um, there's a lot to like there. But 35 strikeouts and only 5 walks, 297 OBP. Um, that hurts. So I'll take VR, but slightly. And I think it's probably just because I have VR on my team. So uh, Another Brewers guy to talk about, Junior Guerra, 31-year-old journeyman. Has been really good his last three starts. And he's got a ton of velocity. When you watch him throw, he can get it up to 96 miles an hour as a starter. Where do you guys stand on Junior Guerra? Interested or just waiting for him to come back down to earth? Well, he's a guy I almost picked up the stream against Kyle uh, a couple weeks ago. And I'm wishing that I did because the last couple times out, it's been really good. Um, I have a hard time buying in that it's going to stick, though. Um... Just a guy that you, you can stream on the waiver wire for me. Um, not really into the market of buying 31-year-old starting pitching that had two or three good starts. So, um, obviously, if you picked him up in your leagues the last couple times out, it's paid off. If you can get a good matchup with him, certainly uh, I wouldn't be afraid to go and, and use him, but I don't think he's a guy that sticks. Yeah, I'd, I'd say this is a pretty clear ride him while he's hot and jump off when he's not any good um, because I think that is going to come at some point but not any good. Um, but, you know, can be serviceable, I guess, throughout the year to stream. Um, I just don't see it being sustainable to this hot streak. Looks like he'll be a two-star pitcher next week. Um He'll have St. Louis and Philadelphia. Um, would you guys be in on him in a two-start week if you were in a weekly league with those two matchups? I think so. I think I'd be in him. I'd be in on him. Uh, I'm still waiting for that Phillies train to derail a little bit. I think they're 
playing a little above their heads right now, and I think they're going to cool off at some point here. Um, I guess the downside is you're not going to get a whole lot of wins, I feel like, with Guerra. I mean, not playing in a tip, uh, very good <clears throat> ball club there in Milwaukee. So He's 3-0. and I mean, Five starts. I mean, his last three obviously have been great, like we keep touching on, but I don't know. I, I think I'd be on two-star week, but other than that, uh, he's just a streamer for me. I'd kick the yeah. tires on him, but, yeah, I, I kind of feel like you, like Kyle said, you ride him and then you get off as, as soon as that first bad start happens. Yeah, I was just going to add that I, I, would, I would grab him in, in this two-star week. Yeah. Yeah, he's a guy we should look at in ESPN for next week. So, make a note of that, too. <laughs> um, all right, let's do some rookie comps. We haven't done these in a while. And today is a good time to do one because Julio Urias coming up for the Dodgers. He's going to start tomorrow. He's 19, isn't he? He's is 19. 19 years old. Be the first teenager to start since Felix Hernandez. Wow. To a good little tidbit there. And who's he thrown against? Do we know? Uh, the Mets, I believe. Okay. So, Urias against the Mets. My comp for him is Steve Carlton. <laughs> Sounds insane and maybe a little dated. Um, but I feel like this guy is going to be the best pitching prospect that we've seen in a little while. So, I'm really excited about seeing him tomorrow night. I feel like it's going to be must-see TV. All right. Um, I went a little off the wall here. Um, I actually put together two comps. One for him being a lefty. Uh, I went with Drew Smiley. Um, I think he's going to have just – obviously he has great stuff. Um, we've heard about the guy since he's 16, 15, 16 years old, how good he is. Um, I think he's going to have stuff typical to Smiley, maybe a little, probably a little better. Um, not going to give up a whole lot of hits. Hopefully he stays a little more healthy than Smiley has so far. Um, but I th- obviously I think he's going to be pretty good. Um, I also went with Steven Strasburg. Um, I think we got to be a little careful here. They've had the training wheels on this guy for <laughs> four years now, um, whatever it is. Um, he hasn't really thrown a whole lot of innings. Um, so the innings that he has thrown have been tremendous. He's been great. Um, I think... I've seen too many comps to Clayton Kershaw um, for me to even stomach right now because it's, it's kind of tough to put a guy in that realm so fast at, the, at this age. So we, we heard about the hype when Strasburg came up and they kind of babied him and babied him and babied him. And I think we got to let him develop a little bit before we're ready to anoint him the top pitcher in baseball like everyone's talking about. So... I think he's going to be really good. It's going to be exciting to watch him tomorrow night, but let, let's uh, let it play out here and let the guy develop a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he's so young has me drawn a cop to Henry Brown Gardner. Rosenbagger. Just kidding. Garden Hoser. Um, I actually took a similar route uh, as Shane. I did not come up with a left-handed comp for him. Um, I actually wrote down two names here that I think he'll fall somewhere in between, and those are Jose Fernandez and Steven Strasburg. Um, And the reason I guess I picked them, two guys that came up and were effective right away, I see Urias being effective right away. Um, But I just read something about uh, Zach Grinke saying how good this guy is and that you know he does have great stuff, but he doesn't think he's going to burn out. And I think, I guess, I, I personally think Fernandez has shown signs of potential burnout, just that you know Shane's spoken to it a lot. He doesn't necessarily know how to pitch yet. Um, and I think that's where the he leans a little closer with Strasburg. So, um, Two really good names, people to be excited about, electric stuff, and should be, like you said, must-see TV. Think, oh. think he'll be on a pitch count tomorrow? Well, well I obviously on a pitch count. but reading up on him today, and he's only started the sixth <clears throat> inning, I think, 
eight times in his career. Um, so I can't imagine that he goes more than five tomorrow night. Um, I, I don't see them. I don't, I don't think he's ever gone over 90 pitches, I think I read. Wow. Um, maybe once in, in his career so far. So, I mean, obviously you got to <laughs> – you got to temper your expectations a little bit. You know you're you're going to only get probably around five innings from the guy. They're probably going to be five pretty good innings, but I mean, you got you got to temper your expectations, I guess. But all the talk, touching on what you said, Kyle, has been this guy not only has great stuff, but they say that his baseball IQ is probably one of the highest out of anyone they've ever seen. Um, seems to be a smart kid, um, really intelligent pitcher, not just a, a guy like Jose Fernandez who goes up there and tries to throw the ball by you as much as he can. Um, not saying Jose Fernandez isn't a smart baseball player. Obviously, he seems to figure things out. So far this year, he's been pretty good. Um, you seem like that annoys you a little bit about Jose Fernandez the second time you brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> it does annoy me, um, obviously, being the Fernandez owner in the in the show here. Um, it's frustrating to watch a guy with such good stuff not be able to pitch. Um <laughs> Something we all played some baseball growing up. Uh, obviously, me and you playing at the college level. I feel like we were both smarter baseball players than Jose Fernandez is. Yeah. Um, he just relies on supreme talent, um, and you just wish that he would figure it out and become a smarter player. And the ceiling would be so high for this guy. So, um, seems like that's where Urias is going to fall. Not only great stuff, but he, he's going to be a great pitcher as well. Yeah, and I'm just glad I was able to uh, move Fernandez. For the best player in baseball, Bryce Harper. Don't sell yourself short, too, Shane. You could throw it by some guys. You, <laughs> you got it up to eighty-one, I think, one time. So when got... I when I humped up, I could touch eighty. <laughs> All right. Um, other comp jerks and Profar. I think he's probably on the verge of coming up too, since Rugnet Odor's suspension um, is going to start here. I think tomorrow. Um, it got reduced to seven games. And Profar um, played some games at second base where he was playing short in minors before. Um, I think in anticipation of him getting the call up here to at least be the fill-in while Odor's on suspension. Um, my comp for Profar is Jimmy Rollins. I think he's going to be a top middle infielder in the game. I'm not expecting a high batting average, but I'm expecting plus contributions in stolen bases and uh, home runs from the middle infield position. So I like Profar as a hitter, um, like his game, and I think he'll end up being a pretty good pro. Yeah, here's a guy we've been waiting to see for, it seems like, forever now. Um, heard a lot about how good this guy can be. We He came up a couple years ago, and... We thought it was going to be then, and it wasn't. And now we, w- we waited about two more years, and I th- maybe it's finally here. And it's funny that you went first there because we talked about it before the show, and I went with Jimmy Rollins as well. Um, just seems like that's the kind of player he's going to be. Um, I'm not typically too excited about the batting average. Uh, I think it's going to be sitting somewhere in the 260 range, 270 maybe. Maybe he has a couple years where he gets hot like Rollins did. And the batting average goes up, but going to be a guy that maybe hits a lot of doubles, gets you some triples, um, does a little bit of everything for you. Scores a bunch of runs, steals some bags, and uh, I'm expecting big things from him. Yeah, I, I love Jerkson Profar. Um, and I guess this is pretty high praise coming from a Cincinnati Reds fan because I picked Barry Larkin. Um, I do have to say, with that, um, I think it's fair that we would need to throw out Barry Larkin's 1995 season along with his 1996 season, which may deserve asterisks next to them uh, as he went 15 homers, 51 stolen bases, 33 homers, 36 stolen bases. I don't see Profar turning it up to that, but um, you know, definitely a guy that I think can be a 2020 player. Um, and I do see him hitting for a pretty decent average, so I guess that's why I went with Larkin. Would you like Jerickson Profar as much if his name was John Peters? Sure. Yeah, you would? All right. I just think he's another guy with the cool name that people like, like Jabari Blash, and then 
Keon Broxton, and then we see Keon Broxton come up and he's hitting 043. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, in the fancy world, this is a about as big of a name as a prospect gets. I mean, he's been highly touted for half a decade now. <clears throat> um, when he hit the home run in the uh, Futures game, I believe it was, what was it, four or five years ago? And he was the next big thing. And we kind of had to wait for him for a while now. So, looks like the time's finally coming. And there you go. You have the 2013 Prospect <laughs> Handbook. He was on the cover. He was on the cover. Uh, expected big things from him back then. And maybe we're finally starting to see the uh, fruition of that now. 2013 was a long time ago. Since then, I've gotten married and have two children. So, um, in the time it's taken Jerks and Profar to get back to the big leagues, a lot has changed. <laughs> sure has. All right, um, that wraps up our show tonight. It was fun talking about some struggling stars, seeing who you guys are willing to buy low on. Um, it was fun seeing you guys struggle with the catcher position. It was fun talking about two of the higher-name prospects. Um that we're going to see this year, I think. So hopefully we get a good chance to watch Urias throw tomorrow night and we see Profar come up here in the next couple of days and we get to watch some of these guys hopefully develop and see how close we are on these comps. Um, find us on Twitter at Red Triangle 23 Find the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, under Red Triangle Sports. Um, subscribe, rate, review, comment, let us know how we're doing. Otherwise, uh, we look forward to talking to you guys next week. Thanks.